Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, All Shall Know That You Are My Disciples. I am Pastor John welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, in our episode, He First Loved Us, we learned God, Jesus, loved us while we were yet still His enemy. We also found that if we fear the tribulation and or God's wrath, we are not yet perfected in His love, referred to as perfect love. We learned as well, we are not saved by mere verbal announcement if we do not possess a commitment in our heart. We are saved by mercy and grace unto eternal life by the renewing of the mind and the transformation of the heart. In this episode, we will examine how we are to be known by our love. Properly stated, that all shall know we are Christ's disciples because of the impressive and commanding love we have for each other in Christ, each other being our brothers and sisters in Christ. God said, If we say we do not love our brothers and sisters, of whom we can see, how do we not love God whom we cannot see? I give you a new commandment to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Everyone will know by this that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. John chapter 13 verses 34 through 35. As parents, when they take their love of their children in their dying moments, give them proper instructions and orders, and lay their dying injunctions on them. So Christ, taking his leave of his disciples, gives them his, which were, that they love one another. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. Here is an explanation of, quote, new, end quote, when Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. It is called new, not because there was no command before which required men to love their fellow men, for one great precept of the law was that they should love their neighbor as themselves, but it was new because it had never before been made that by which any class or body of men had been known and distinguished. The Jew was known by his external rights, by his peculiarity of dress, the philosopher by some other mark of distinction, the military man by another, for each other been the distinguishing and peculiar badge by which they were known. But in the case of Christians, they were not to be known by distinctions of wealth or learning, 
or fame. They were not to aspire to earthly honors. They were not to adopt any peculiar style of dress or badge, but they were to be distinguished by tender and constant attachment to each other. This was to surmount all distinction of country, of color, of rank, of office, of sect. Here they were to feel that they were on a level, that they had common wants, were redeemed by the same sacred blood, and were going to the same heaven. They were to befriend each other in trials, be careful of each other's feelings and reputation, deny themselves to promote each other's welfare. In all these places, the command of Jesus is repeated to refer to, and it shows that the first disciples considered this indeed as the peculiar law of Christ. From Barnes' New Testament Notes From God's Word we read, From the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify us unto himself, a peculiar people jealous of good works. From the King James Version, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. From the King James Version, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Quoting Commentary The margin here is purchased. The word peculiar in its common acceptation now would mean that they were distinguished from others or were singular. The reading in the margin would mean that they had been bought or redeemed. Both these things are so, but neither of them express the exact sense of the original. The Greek word means a people or a possession, that is, as pertaining to God. They are a people which he has secured as a possession or as his own, a people, therefore, which belong to him and to no other. In this sense, they are peculiar as being his, and being such, it may be inferred that they should be peculiar in the sense of being unlike others in their manner of life. From Barnes New Testament Notes That is a lot of scripture and practical learning. So, let's start to take it apart. If, as commentary said, you and I are a purchased possession of God, 
so much so as for it to make us peculiar, why would we go through further judgment of God and his wrath? What do you do with your possessions? Do you willfully destroy them, or, at the very least, subject them to harsh abuse? I do not think so. If we are so completely saved as to be seen by God as sinless because our sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven as far as the East is from the West, why does further judgment and His wrath await us? Just one more thing that makes us a peculiar people. It should also be set forth the fact that if we are such a possession of God by purchase, then His perfect love resides in us. While possessing it, we are simply not fully perfected in it if we demonstrate the fear of further judgment and wrath. It is guilt that makes us feel and think this way. Quoting commentary of A Peculiar People As the Israelites are called a peculiar treasure in Exodus chapter 19 verse 5, to which the reference is, God's elect are a peculiar people to whom he bears a peculiar love. They are chosen by him to be a special people above all others and have a peculiar blessings bestowed on them and peculiar care is taken of them They are the Lord's, his treasure, his jewels, his possession and inheritance, and therefore he will preserve and save them. They are a people for acquisition, purchase, and possession, as the words may be rendered, whom God has obtained, procured, and purchased for himself with the precious blood of his son. Hence, the Syriac version renders them, quote, a redeemed company, end quote. The same with the church God has purchased with his blood and the purchased possession and which are redeemed and purified to be and of here to be a peculiar people, zealous of good works, the end of all which grace being bestowed upon them in election, redemption, and regeneration, is that you should show forth the praises of him. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. God's people are hereby peculiar because they are the only part of his complete creation that was purchased by the blood of his one and only Son. Again, I have to ask, if you paid such a high price for your acquisition, why would you treat it harshly or even destroy it? Here read 
God's future judgment and wrath, harsh judgment and destruction caused by his wrath. What did commentary just say? Quote, they are chosen by him to be a special people above all others and have peculiar blessings bestowed on them and peculiar care is taken of them. They are the Lord's, his treasure, his jewels, his portion and inheritance, and therefore he will preserve and save them. End quote. If I am saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, what else am I saved from? It has to be his future judgment and wrath. Commentary just told us we are chosen by him to be a special people above what? All others. We are the Lord's treasure, jewels, portion, and inheritance. This means he will what? He will preserve and save us. Do you harshly treat a treasure, jewels, or an inheritance? Do you destroy such things? Especially in light of Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 through 14? And when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed in Christ, you were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, who is the down payment for our inheritance until the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Why would God further judge, condemn, and even execute his wrath upon his, quote, own possession to the praise of his glory, end quote? Now this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he gave us the commandment. And the person who keeps his commandments resides in God and God in him. Now by this, we know that God resides in us, by the Spirit he has given us. 1 John chapter 3, verses 23-24 through 24. His commandment, by way of eminence, the leading, principal thing which he enjoins on us, the commandment which he lies at the foundation of all true obedience. From Barnes New Testament Notes. Quoting of the phrase, For you yourselves are taught of God to love one another, not merely by the light of nature, which teaches men to be kind, courteous, affallable, and beneficent, nor by the law of Moses, which obliges men to love their neighbors as themselves, nor only doctrinal by the ministry of the gospel, which frequently, to impress upon the mind of another by frequent instruction or repetition to instill, inculcates the exercise 
of his grace as a matter of great importance and consequence, not only by the new commandment, an example of Christ, but by the Spirit of God internally in regeneration, who, according to the tenor of the new covenant, writes this law of love and of Christ upon the heart, and this being written upon the hearts of the Thessalonians by the finger of the Holy Spirit of God, whereby they were dearly directed and powerfully taught to exercise his grace and discharge this duty, and under the influence of the same Spirit did exercise it. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. We are peculiar because of such Holy Spirit-led teaching to us as well. I can tell you, by personal experience, the Holy Spirit teaches far more than just how to love with godly love. This is the, quote, peculiar care is taken of them, end quote, as we previously read in commentary. This godly love works this way, in part. Brothers and sisters, if a person is discovered in some sin, you who are spiritual restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Pay close attention to yourselves so that you are not tempted to. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. Commentary reads, The peculiar law of Christ requiring us to love one another. Cross-reference our primary verse, John chapter 13, verse 34. Continuing, This was the distinguishing law of the Redeemer, and they could in no way better fulfill it than by aiding each other in the divine life. The law of Christ would not allow us to reproach the offender or to taunt him or to rejoice in his fall. We should help him to take up his load of infirmities and sustain him by our counsels, our exhortations, and our prayers. Christians, conscious of their infirmities, have a right to the sympathy and the prayers of their brethren. They should not be cast off to a cold and heartless world, a world rejoicing over their fall and ready to brand them as hypocrites. They should be pressed to the warm bosom of brotherly kindness, and prayer should be made to ascend without ceasing around an erring and a fallen brother. Is this the case in regard to all who bear the Christian name? From Barnes' New Testament Notes Commentary asks a great question. Is this the case in regard to all who bear the Christian name? In the States, to the churches I and my friends have been exposed to, the answer to that question is an overwhelming no, with only one 
reasonable exception found at the House of Supernatural Encounters in Stowe, Massachusetts. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 7 is our study reference and in context it reads, For this very reason make every effort to add to your faith excellence, to excellence knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly affection, to brotherly affection unselfish love. Brotherly affection is what most of this study has been about. However, we are to extend that to others outside the church in an act the Bible typically calls charity, what is here called, quote, unselfish love, end quote. Commentary in this regard says, love, that is, to all men, enemies, as well as to the household of faith, and to God and Christ, to his house, worship, ordinances, people, and truths. Charity is more extensive in its objects and acts than brotherly kindness or love. Remember, too, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us that of faith, hope, and love, or charity, love is the greatest. Here is a biblical example of the love we are to be known by, so all shall know that we are his disciples. We ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, and rightfully so, because your faith flourishes more and more, and the love of each one of you all for one another is ever greater. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. In closing, I will read the commentary before the verse, as the verse is a good thought to leave you with. The flock is, quote, the church. The church of Christ is often compared to a flock. The word flock here refers particularly to the church and not to the congregation in general, for it is represented to be that which was purchased with the blood of the atonement. The command here is, 1. To take heed to the church, i.e., to instruct, teach, and guide it, to guard it from enemies, found in Acts chapter 20, verse 29, and to make it their special object to promote its welfare. 2. To take heed to all the flock the rich and the poor, the bond and the free, the old and the young. It is the duty of ministers to seek to promote the welfare of each individual of their charge, not to pass by the poor because they are poor, and not to be afraid of the rich because they are rich. A shepherd regards the interest of the tenderest 
of the fold as much as the strongest, and a faithful minister will seek to advance the interest of all. To do this, he should know all his people, should be acquainted as far as possible with their particular wants, character, and dangers, and should devote himself to their welfare as his first and main employment. From Barnes' New Testament Notes. And that commentary was for Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Is our charge in light of this commentary, which is, Watch out for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own Son. By this, all shall know you are my disciples. Next week, we are still to be known by our love. How we love each other with reference to our godly brothers and sisters is something we are to be known by. However, the strength of that love is to be far more than we may first imagine. Player download next week's episode titled Love is as Strong as Death, Song of Solomon, Chapter 8, Verse 6, from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a holy, self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting here for the first time, welcome and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. For more information, check out our mobile, tablet, and desktop-compliant website. It is a subdomain hosted at site123.com. That is site123.com. Our site link is unchurched.site123.me.
This website is where you will find additional information about us and the podcast platforms we are in syndication with. Find direct links to all our platforms under the podcast menu item. This year, we have decided to go with making Pinecast our primary host as we move away from Podomatic. For more information, listen to our year-end update for 2019. Until then, we will continue to post our podcast on our current primary host found at this short link, is.gd forward slash uppercase I K lowercase L uppercase Y X lowercase S. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast platforms. Please use the search phrase Church of the Un-Churched to find us on a podcast platform like iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, or Spotify, to name a few. Note, please use the dash symbol and not the word dash when you search for us. We refresh our RSS feed with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. If Podomatic has any server issues, all linked episodes on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher will be unavailable for the duration of the server downtime. We therefore Post all episodes on our backup host, www.podcasts.com. That is podcast with an S. Again, our site address is www.podcasts.com. Or go to anchor.fm forward slash unchurched. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.